This message, I've simply entitled it, Wake Up, Wake Up. And it's all about just getting ourselves spiritually woken up as individuals, as families, as a church family, just waking up to what it is that God is doing and for what God has in store for us. And uh, as we're talking about waking up, let me just ask, uh, where are my morning people at? Like you just love mornings. You just slip up your hand. You just, you wake up, you just got a song in your heart. You know, you're just ready to sing and it's just, everything is wonderful and the day is beautiful and it doesn't matter what the weather is. And you're we're all my people that can't stand people like that right i'm i'm a slow waker up you know i'm one of those people some of you are like this too it's like don't talk to me till i had a cup of coffee if i haven't had a cup of coffee jesus doesn't want to talk to me you know what i'm saying i mean it's like I just, I need, a, I'm a slow waker up, I need a cup of coffee, I need a shower, I need to get the blood flow and the blood, but I don't understand it. Some of you just, you got the gift, you just wake up and it's just like, boom, you know, happy day, you know, that's awesome for you. I'm a slow happy day for me. <laughs> but spiritually, the truth is a lot of us, really many times all of us, can be pretty slow at waking up. We can be pretty slow waking up as Christians. It's not, it's not really just one prayer that just brings about some great spiritual awakening. It, it's a process. It's a series of prayer. It takes time. And that's what these two weeks of fasting and prayer are all about. It's all about getting our hearts right through this message today, through this short series for the next two weeks to get us ready for January 11th, where two weeks of fasting and prayer kicks off, where the new message series titled, But God, kicks off, where Pastor's Book is going to be available to you for the first time. That's all kicking off January 11th. So that's what this is all about. It's, it's about waking up and staying awake spiritually. That's a frequent topic in scripture, actually. The, the Bible talks a lot about staying awake spiritually and waking up when we've fallen asleep. And the truth is, it's not that hard to fall asleep spiritually. It happens all the time. Uh, as soon as we get inconsistent about being in God's house, as soon as we get inconsistent about our daily time with God, if we're not serving in church, if we're not serving in the community, if we're not out building for the kingdom of God on a regular basis, it just gets easy to fall asleep. If we're not in a community group, if we're just trying to kind of walk with God on our own and we don't have other believers closely around us like we have in a community group to, to help us and pray with us and encourage us and hold us accountable, it's very easy to fall asleep. As soon as we get in consistent in those areas of our lives, we just kind of start to fall asleep because the truth is when we get inconsistent in those things, we basically have put ourselves in a position where we are spiritually going to fall asleep. It's like on Christmas, you know, you get up, you open presents with your family or whatever, maybe you have the big turkey dinner. After a big turkey dinner, you go sit down in your recliner, you kick it all the way back and put on a movie you've watched a hundred times. It's pretty likely that you're going to fall asleep. In fact, in like 30 seconds, you're going to be in a turkey-induced coma, right? Because that's what happens. It's just spiritually, sometimes we kind of do the same things to ourselves. We put ourselves in a situation where it's incredibly likely that we're going to fall asleep spiritually. If we're not in God's house, if we're not serving, if we're not in the Word every day, if we don't have a disciplined prayer life, we're just, it's, it becomes extremely easy to fall asleep. And so today... We're talking about waking up spiritually. We're talking about having an awakening in ourselves as individuals, as families, and as a church family. So I want to share just a few things with you today about awakening. Number one is this. An awakening begins as a divine call. An awakening begins as a divine call. Ephesians chapter 5 has a lot to say about our walk with God and checking our walk with God and making sure that it's where it should be. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says this. Awake 
O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The Apostle Paul who wrote that's kind of summing up this major theme. I mean, again, the Bible talks about waking up spiritually a lot and staying awake spiritually once we're awake a lot. And he's saying, wake up, awake, oh sleeper. It's a call from God. He wants us to be awake. Why? Why is this such a big deal for God? Why does he want to make sure so much that we're spiritually awake? It's because as soon as we get start to get lazy in our walk with God, as soon as we start to fall asleep in, and even just one one area of our lives, whether fall asleep kind of in what God is doing in, in, in the direction that we're headed or God, what God is doing in, in the relationships we have, and, and, and even if just one area, how we're handling our finances, as soon as we fall asleep spiritually, we start to miss out on God's best for our lives. And that's why God's so concerned. He has this amazing plan for our lives. All these incredible things mapped out, but if we don't stay spiritually awake and alert, we start missing out on them. And so God comes along and he says, wake up, wake up. You've got to stay awake. You've got to be awake because I've got all of these incredible things in store for your life. And whether we just kind of have gotten lazy spiritually or maybe we've fallen asleep in several areas of our lives or maybe we're just kind of asleep in every area of our lives, or, or maybe the truth is we're just here today and, and going through a difficult season. You know, the holidays are a lot of fun. They're a blast for, for many people. We're hanging out with family, and it's gifts, and it's fun, and it's parties, and it's all of these things, but for some people, the holidays are a very difficult time. For some, the holidays are, are a reminder of what's gone wrong. They're a reminder of the way things should have been and the way things could have been. They're, they're, they're a reminder of, of, of relationships that are broken and, 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 and lives that are messed up and, and things that are, and it's just a painful, difficult time. And whether we're going through a, a difficult time, whether we're going through a trial or whether we just kind of asleep in every area of our lives or just a few areas of our lives or we've just begun to get lazy spiritually in our lives, the call comes out from God today for all of us and it's the same call, wake up, awake, oh sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. God has amazing things in store for our lives and we need to have an awakening. The Bible goes on to say in Ephesians 5, we read verse 14, now 15 through 18. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wake up, the Bible is saying. Look at how your walk with God is going. Take an inventory of where you're at spiritually. Wake up, the Bible is saying. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because God's saying, I I've got these amazing plans for your life, but are you walking the way that you should be? We need to have an awakening. We need to look at how we're walking and make sure that we're walking the way that we should be. We need to make sure that we're where God wants us to be. And, and the truth is having an awakening is, is the equivalent of, of spiritually, it's the equivalent of like when you go to the doctor to get a physical. You go to, to the doctor to get a physical, nobody likes going to the doctor to get a physical. Why? Because we all know we're out of shape. 
I eat terribly and never exercise. I know I am not in shape. I don't want to go to the doctor and have the doctor tell me what I basically already know about my life. I know there's things wrong. I know the doctor's going to tell me something I don't want to hear. But if I don't go, then I won't hear it. And if I don't hear it, I won't really know exactly what it is. And if I don't know exactly what it is, I can kind of act like nothing's wrong. And that's what we do spiritually. I don't want to wake up. Because if I wake up, I'm going to realize what's wrong. I'm going to realize where the flaws are. And that's the, that's the thing that the, a spiritual awakening is very much like getting a physical. It brings the flaws to light. It's like after Thanksgiving, I went and played football with a bunch of my friends. That was the stupidest thing I ever did. Because I ran playing football for two solid hours. I don't run. I don't ever run. Ever. I don't ever run. And I'm running for two hours. I could barely move for like the next four or five days. I could barely get out of bed. I also tore the tendon in my middle finger, which is why I'm wearing this very awkward thing. Some of you have been wondering this whole time, what is on his finger? It's a brace because I can't move my finger so that it will heal. So I, I messed up my tendon. I could barely, seriously, I could barely get out of bed. It was pathetic. I could barely get in the car. I basically just fell in the car. I couldn't really sit down. I just kind of fell, trying not to spill my Starbucks. You know what I'm talking about. I'm like, I paid $5 for this. Lord, help me. But that's where some of us are spiritually. We can barely get out of bed. And we don't want to have an awakening because it's going to bring the flaws to light. But here's what I want us to understand. Yes, in a spiritual awakening, it brings the flaws to light. And we have to face the things that are wrong. But let me illustrate it for you if I can. I did a project not long ago. And I was uh, working with some wood. And I was staining wood. It was some trim around this thing. Not to get into a whole long story or a bunch of details. But I've got the, these boards. And I'm, and I'm going to stain them. And I don't know how your projects go. But mine take twice as long as I planned. And cost three times as much as I planned. But anyway. So I get these boards. And I get the stain. And I, I got it all going. And, and, and I, the, the boards were, they were just, I mean, they were really plain. No, no, no kind of character, no, no life. They're just very, very plain and ordinary. And I kind of was disappointed, but I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll stain them and then at least be the color of the stain, whatever. So I got this dark walnut stain and I go about beginning to stain the boards. And here's what happened. As soon as I started putting that stain on the board, rather than just being ordinary and plain and no, no, no character, no, no life, no beauty, all of a sudden, all these little nicks and dents and imperfections and flaws started coming to light. In fact, you could, you could see them plain as day. What was, what was imperceptible before now could just be easily and clearly seen. But it didn't just bring out the flaws in the wood. It brought out the beauty of the wood. It brought out the grain of the wood and the randomness of the pattern and the beauty. And it was just incredible. The, the stain soaks in deeper other places and it gets darker there and it's lighter in others. And you get the contrast and the beauty. The same process that brought out the flaws also brought out the beauty. And the same things happens for us spiritually. God is saying, wake up. Why would God want us to wake up if it's just going to tell us what's wrong, if it's going to point out our flaws? Because God knows that the same process that shows you what's wrong also eventually brings out the beauty of who he created you to be. The truth is that God has created you to be someone incredible. And, and the beauty of who God created you to be as a future husband or wife, or as a husband and wife now, as a parent, a future parent, or a, as a leader in your community, or a, a light in this dark world, the person, the beauty of who God has created you to be, some of us are missing out of it because we need to wake up spiritually. The same process 
that shows the flaws also brings out the character and the beauty that God has put in each of us. An awakening begins as a divine call. God is calling out to us through his word. Even today, wake up. He says, because I don't want you to miss out on what I have planned for you. But the second thing I want us to understand is this. Yes, uh, it begins as a divine call, but number two, an awakening becomes a discipline. It begins as a divine call, but then it becomes a discipline. And now I want to kind of switch gears and ask you a really important question. Here it is. How did Jesus get through the temptations he faced in life? How did Jesus get through the trials that he faced? How did Jesus get through the times where he was rejected by people? How did he get through the pain? How did he get through the times where his own friends abandoned him and turned their backs on him? How did he get through the pain? How did he get through all those difficulties? How did Jesus make it through all these things in life? Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This is so important. For we do not have a high priest... Now, that's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the high priest. So we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hang on just a second. The Bible says Jesus understood our weaknesses. The Bible says Jesus was tempted just as we are, yet he was without sin. He went through all of these things that we go through. He went through so many similar things that you and I have faced. He went through the attacks of the enemy. He went through difficulty. He went through trials. He went through rejection, went through pain, went through abandonment. He went through all of that kind of stuff. And yet he was without sin. The question is how? How did Jesus get through all of that? And I think for most of us, we, I think we just, at this point, we kind of just shrug our shoulders and say, well, because he's God. How did Jesus get through all that? Well, he's God. I mean, he, he's God. He, he made it through all that and didn't sin, and he lived a perfect life, and he was always obedient to our Heavenly Father because, well, he's God. Hang with me today. Because what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes is just get into a bit of a deep spiritual truth. We can go deep today, right, in God's Word. We can do that. We can handle that. Yeah, we're going to go deep. And here's the thing. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't take the time if I didn't genuinely believe that this biblical truth is, number one, extremely powerful, but number two, extremely helpful. I'm not, I don't want to just take you to some kind of tr- like ivory tower theology way up in the clouds if it doesn't come all the way down to earth where we live, right? Like if it's not going to help us, then it's not worth the time, but I really believe it is. So hang with me because... Because here's the thing, and I used to think this, that was the answer too, that the answer to Jesus making it through all this, well, he was God. But can I just tell you something? That's, that's not the right answer. Jesus did not get through all of that because he was God. So hang with me. I know you think, well, that doesn't sound right. Hang with me because we got to take a little journey through scripture to see something very big that I believe will have a big impact on us. The Bible says this. I believe this could change So many things for us. Philippians chapter 2 speaks about Jesus. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. I'm going to say that again. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is the key. What I want us to focus on is those three words that I repeated. But emptied himself. 
Well, all right, well, what in the world is, what does that mean? When the Bible says Jesus, when he became a man, that's what all of this is about. When Jesus became a man, he emptied himself. What does the Bible mean? Well, what the Bible does not mean is that Jesus somehow quit being God. That's not true. Jesus never, ever quit being God. So when the Bible says that Jesus emptied himself, it's not saying he quit being God. What the Bible is saying is that while he lived life here on earth as a human being, Jesus did not use his own divinity he didn't use his own godness to get him through the temptations, to get him through the trials. Jesus went through all of it as a normal, ordinary human being. The Bible, again, Hebrews 4, he knows our weaknesses. He's been tempted, tempted at every point, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Okay, so if Jesus went through life as an ordinary human being, if he didn't use, when he got into a difficult spot, if he didn't just use his own divinity to just kind of plow right through it, well, I'm God. So I'll just overcome you, Satan. I'll just push you out of the way, demons. I'll just make this happen. I'll just heal these people. I'll just kind of float through life six inches off the ground. No big deal. No. Jesus went through life as an ordinary human being. Then how in the world did he not sin? How in the world did Jesus, facing temptation from the devil, just like we do, make it through? We all know that sounds impossible. But here's what the Bible says. Jesus didn't do it, okay, through his own divinity. Then how did he do it? Not through his own power. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now hang with me. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. In other words, God put on, put in Jesus the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Jesus did all these things because God was with him. It doesn't say Jesus did all these things because he was God. It says that the Holy Spirit was put upon Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, Jesus accomplished these things. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus himself says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, Jesus credits the Holy Spirit for his casting out of demons. He says, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Luke 4, 1, then Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus know, okay, it's time to go to this city and minister here. Okay, it's time to go here and preach this message there. How did Jesus know all those things? It's because he was led by the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus know it was time to end his ministry and leave the region of the Galilee and go down to Jerusalem to take up a cross and die for you and me? and for the world. How did he know it was time to do that? It's because he was led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't use his own divinity to just know everything. He lived life as an ordinary human being, led and empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, Isaiah eleven two. This is a prophecy about Jesus from the Old Testament. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. All right. So Jesus had the Holy Spirit, gave him wisdom and understanding and power and strength and might and all of these things. And Jesus overcame temptation. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life. He did all of that. Okay, so Jesus didn't use his own divinity. He used the power of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a great biblical truth. Okay, we kind of spent a few minutes kind of unwinding all of that. So what? 
What does that have to do with me and my life and you and your life? And okay, that's awesome for Jesus. And we kind of figured out some intricacies from the scriptures this morning. What does that mean for you and me? Why take the time to do this? Because what that helps us understand is that if Jesus lived life as an ordinary human empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he, he, he overcame temptation, and he, he, he obeyed his heavenly father, and he lived without sin, and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, what that means is that you and I can overcome temptation, that you and I can be faithful to our Heavenly Father, that you and I can do and live out the purpose that God put us on this earth because the same spirit that empowered Jesus is the spirit that empowers you. As a Christian, the same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. You can overcome temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can make it through your trial, through your loneliness, through your depression through your difficulty you can overcome because the same spirit that empowered Jesus empowers your life that's why we take the time to unpack the Word of God because it begins to help us to understand this picture that the Bible is painting Jesus goes on to say this in John 14 12 he said truly truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works then these will he do because I am going to the Father. Jesus said we will do greater things than him. Am I the only one that looks at that or hears that verse and kind of goes, that doesn't make any sense. How could we possibly do greater things than Jesus? Jesus is speaking from that understanding, the understanding that the Spirit of God that empowered him is the Spirit of God that empowers us. No, we can't do it on our own. We're well aware of the fact that we're ordinary human beings. We're well aware of the fact that we don't have the strength to make it through on our own. We all know far too well how impossible it is to overcome temptation in our own strength. But Jesus knew that the power of the Holy Spirit that gave him strength is just as available to us as it was to him. But here's what I want us to see today. That didn't happen for Jesus automatically. Jesus didn't, he didn't just wake up and just all of a sudden he was just empowered by the Holy Spirit to take over the world. It didn't happen that way. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. This is so huge. This is where, again, we talk about spiritual awakening. It begins as a divine call. God calls out to us as his people and he says, wake up. Don't miss what I have planned for you. But that call to wake up that begins is, is that divine call from God has to become a discipline. Jesus didn't just get the power and the wisdom and the strength and the might and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Just, it didn't just happen. It happened because Jesus had a disciplined life of prayer and fasting. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place or to a lonely place by himself. And there he prayed. And this isn't the only time, for the sake of time, we won't go through the other stories and read the other scriptures, but this was a habit in Jesus' life. He did it all the time. Jesus got up early, he went off by himself, he got alone, and he spent hours praying to his heavenly Father. And that's where we begin to see that Jesus had the power of the Holy Spirit in his life because he had a powerful connection with the Holy Spirit in his life. It happened because Jesus had disciplined time of prayer. He didn't just get up and go, well, God... For the next couple thousand years, there's going to be a lot of people who 
are going to need to pray, and they need an example. So, I mean, I don't really need this. I'm, you know, I'm God, so I don't really need to pray, but uh, they'll need to see me do this. So here we go. It's the middle of the night. I'd rather be asleep, but I mean, they're going to have to see the example. And so he goes off to a hill, and he spends hours praying. He didn't do it just because we needed an example. He certainly, he is our example. He is, but he did it because he was desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, because God had sent him there for it the greatest purpose in the history of the world. And he desperately needed the leading of the Holy Spirit. He desperately needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He desperately needed the strength of the Holy Spirit because he didn't pull on his own divinity to make it all happen. He relied on the Holy Spirit. And we can make it through temptations and trials and difficulty. We can become the people God has created us to be, but we've got to have a disciplined life of prayer because we've got to have a powerful connection with the Holy Spirit if we're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And Jesus didn't just pray. He also fasted. At one point, Jesus fasted for 40 days in a row. 40 days. Some of you are like, surely he said four days, right? He said, well, he didn't say 40, right? He's like, you got to be kidding no food for 40 days. You say, that's crazy. No, that's crazy powerful. Jesus had 40-day power to resist temptation. Jesus was severely tempted and tested by the devil. How did he get through? Because he had 40-day power. You know, sometimes we don't get through because we got 40-second power, right? We just threw up a Hail Mary prayer, you know? Like, we just... Getting ready in the morning, you know, we're in a shower like, Lord, get me through the day. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Lord, I hope I have a good day. I really need some coffee. You know, it's like, amen. Sometimes we got 40-second prayers trying to get through our trials. You can get through your trial. The Spirit of God can get you through the darkest hours of life. The Spirit of God can make you a brighter light in this world than you have ever dreamed. But we've got to have a disciplined life of prayer and fasting. We got to start taking the example of Jesus and turning it into a reality in our lives. And that's what January 11th, two weeks of prayer and fasting is all about. It's all about opening up our lives to the possibilities of what God can do in us and through us in this world. But we got to get disciplined. That's what today is about. Preparing our hearts. The prayer is, Lord, wake me up. Wake me up so that I can develop that discipline, so that I can have that connection with you, so that I can get through these temptations, so that I can get over this trial, so that I can get through this difficult decision with the path you want me to be on, God, so that my family can be the miracle that it needs to be, and, and, and that you can restore and deliver and change in these different areas of my life, so that I can honor you with my finances and my future and my friendships. God, I want to do all of those things, but we got to wake up today and develop a disciplined prayer life and a life of fasting, a life of sacrifice to connect with God. And it doesn't mean you have to get up at four in the morning, but it might mean that you have to set your alarm 15 minutes earlier than you normally do and spend that extra time praying or 30 minutes or an hour, whatever the Lord leads you to. We got to fast, sacrifice to spend that time with God because God has incredible things in store for us. 
But when we're not awake spiritually, we miss out on God's best for our lives. And the world misses out on us being the light of the world that we need to be and are called to be. We gotta wake up today. An awakening begins as a divine call. It becomes a discipline. But the third thing I want to share with you, wrap this up with this. Number three, an awakening becomes contagious. An awakening becomes contagious. We're getting ready to head into an amazing season here at People's Church. We're getting our hearts ready this week and next week in this message series called Awakening. God, wake us up. And then in these two weeks of intense fasting and prayer, well, I mean, we're, we're believing God's just going to do huge things in our lives and in this church and through this church. We're believing God's going to do amazing things. January 11th, two weeks of fasting and prayer starts. The new message series, But God, starts. Pastor's book, But God Changes Everything, will be available to you as a witnessing tool, as an outreach tool, as, as a ministry tool to friends and family and, and co-workers and, and, and people that you go to school with. I mean, we just, we're doing things here at People's Church we've never done before, and we're believing for God to do things here at People's Church that he has never done before. We're headed into an amazing season here at people's church pastor's story is in that book his testimony he never should have made it but God he should have just been another statistic but God he never should have become a pastor but God this church never should have been what it was but God the devil has tried to destroy this church but God it's pastor's story it's the story of this church it's all of our stories we all should still be lost but God we should all still be in sin but God we should all still be bound but God we should all still be on the wrong path headed the wrong way to the wrong place but God and it's not just pastor's story it's not just the church's story it's not just my story and your story it's going to become through all of these things the story of those who are still lost but God those who are still in sin but God we are believing that this awakening in us is going to become contagious to spill out of our lives into this community into our families into our friendships into our workplace into our school we're believing for God to do something incredible let me wrap it up like this from Acts chapter 16 the Bible tells the story of two guys named Paul and Silas. They're serving God, and while they're serving God, they end up in prison for it. And while they're in the prison cell, the Bible says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. There were only two people in the prison worshiping God. There were only two people in the prison praying and crying out to God, but when God moved, every Everybody's door came open. Everybody's chains fell off. Awakenings are contagious. Yes, God's going to open doors for us. Yes, chains are going to fall off of us. Yes, God is going to do things in our lives. But everybody's doors can be open. All of the chains can fall off. But we have got to pray like we've never prayed before. We've got to fast like we've never fasted before. And watch God do what he has never done before. Please, God. God, wake us up today to fast and pray and see more changed lives.